This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And Zupan's Markets is bringing something brand new for those of you and us who are dog lovers in Portland. When you shop uh, in the hot weather, it's especially disconcerting to figure out how to get that done without uh, leaving your dogs in jeopardy. Now, Zupan's has a thing called Dog Spot, and they're little dog houses that are air-conditioned that you can, where you can leave your dog while you shop. It's secure. As I said, it's air-conditioned, and uh, it's a pretty cool idea. You just download the app. Court will give you the information. Plug your information in. Unlocks the door, and it unlocks it at the end when you're done shopping to pull your dog out. It's fan- I tried it this morning with Oakley, and uh, it worked flawlessly, and I was able to watch Oakley while I shopped. That's pretty cool. The app is called Dog Spot, so you want to download that. And then uh, typically it's about 30 cents per minute, but right now... Zupan's pup, one big long word, is a promo code you can use and receive 90 minutes free when you sign up. That's just get your shopping done quickly and get yeah. out there. Dogspot app. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Also at Zupan's, they have, of course, fantastic events. You got to go to Zupan's.com and look under the events tab. They have really nice dinners, but this, uh, this weekend, floral design and wine. You can learn the tips and tricks of incorporating citrus into your floral design and create a bright and beautiful arrangement while you're having wine and hors d'oeuvres. Does it get any better than that? Nope. It takes place in the breezeway at Lake Oswego, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. July 28th. Get your tickets now. And speaking of this weekend, we got to really point this out. We're always talking about the news feed and the great deals you get in that uh, free peach packs with a $20 purchase. But this weekend, July 26th and 28th, it's a BOGO time. Uh, buy one, get one prime New York steaks. We just went over the weekend, bought our steaks and our chicken at uh, Zupan's and grilled. It does not get any better than the meat department. I think Zupans. I'll skip my vacation and just go get some of those steaks. Yeah, that's what you need to do. So sign up for the news feed. You can also go to Zupan's.com, get all sorts of great recipes there. Uh, three locations, McAdam, Lake Oswego, and West Burnside. And always where? Zupan's.com. All right, it's time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. Hello, thank you, Court. And Court from Kink.fm over there. You can hear him on Portland's Heritage Rock Station, in addition to on our podcast every week. We've had some nice ones lately and have some good ones planned for the future. Yeah, certainly. And in fact, uh, and, we'll, and we'll talk more about this special classic episode and what's brought it about. Um, because this one is a classic episode, but it really actually wasn't, we, we recorded it not too long ago, Chris. And usually we're running them from a couple of years back, but we c- recorded, uh, an interview with Ann Lou of Tapalaya, uh, not too long ago. And in that podcast, she talks about many of the factors that, uh, made, opening her restaurant challenging, buying her restaurant, um, and and what it's been like since. And, uh, of course, since we ran that interview, um, we heard this week that Topoli will be closing so Anne can go back to uh, New Orleans to properly deal with grieving her mother's loss, which occurred just as she was buying her restaurant a couple of years ago. 
So that's some really sad news because Tapalaya, well, it's sad news for Anne, first. Right. And secondly, for all those people who patronize Tapalaya, that's sad also. Um, another casualty in the Portland food world, although Anne is trying to sell it. We don't know what's going to happen there yet, um, but we thought it would be good given that uh, it was news just yesterday for people to hear um, from Ann and uh, get a little backstory on what's going on there. Yeah, and as the news was kind of settling in about Tapalaya, there was other news coming out, Chris, about another uh, Portland go-to spot that uh, will be closing down after many years. One of my favorites and one of many people's favorites, uh, the Country Cat over on Stark, um, of course, before we say anything more about that, the Country Cat at Portland Airport will remain open, which was um, obviously came uh, from the popularity of the original Country Cat, which has been open um, for over 10 years, yeah. uh, or just about 10 years. And Adam and Jackie Sappington broke some ground over in Montevilla uh, to help bring that neighborhood around. And um, they took a risk in opening in that neighborhood. As, as a matter of fact, we've run that episode as a classic a couple of times now. Yep. And if anybody wants to go to the Right at the Fork website and Google Sappington, um, they'll hear that interview as well. But that's really sad that Country Cat is closing. We haven't yet heard the reason. This is the day after both of these closings were announced. Um, You know, it may be that it just ran its course for them and they have kids and a life to lead. And maybe three restaurants, four restaurants was... um, was a little bit much, and they wanted to breathe, right. which I think is would be a great thing. But we don't yet know that. So um, a couple of sad things uh, this week. And, of course, we're probably going to hear more restaurant closings as time goes on. This is, this is not new. The Portland restaurant world is changing, and uh, uh, there are a lot of factors that go into that. Certainly so. So before we get to the um, uh, featured episode that we've been talking about, I did want to ask you, Chris, um, you've been uh, pretty busy with Portland Food Adventures, and you've got a lot of stuff going on. Well, I just wanted to um, talk about a couple of things as they relate to the podcast as well. We just interviewed Nicholas Van Eck of Arizzo, and we had previously had Nate Tilden on, who is is a co-owner at Arizzo as well. And uh so we have a Portland Food Adventures event there on September 11th. A uh, limited amount, amount of seats, uh, only 18 seats available, and um, just a little more than half are available now. And that has, this is the first time I'm really mentioning this other than an email to a few people I know. So get it, go to portlandfoodadventures.com to see that. Soon you'll see we had Scott Dolich on the podcast recently who is working with uh, Stone Soup Kitchen, and soon you'll see an event there October 25th. And also on the website, uh, we have two more spots available for our October trip with our Austria Ensign to Italy, and that would be Bologna, Emilia-Romagna, some wonderful uh, food, Three great places we're staying, including a castle, and uh, we'd love to uh, host two more people. We've got three fantastic couples, a couple of single folks, and uh, anybody who'd like to come with us, certainly give me a buzz on that. You can see that at portlandfoodadventures.com, too. 
Very nice. I we, think nice. Yeah, no, I, I, I think there's no better way to uh, to travel Europe than with somebody who's uh, somebody or somebody's who's in the know, and that's what you provide with these international trips. Yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with them, and this will be our third trip to uh, Italy. And uh, as a matter of fact, for anybody who's interested, um, we have we added a second trip to Basque Country next year uh, in the fall because our spring trip sold out already. Yeah. 16 people with uh, Javier Conteras from Urdaneta. So uh, they're all fun trips, and um, and every one of these people you can hear about on the podcast. So it's kind of what I like to do is be able for people to get to know chefs in different ways. One of them is here on the podcast, and another is traveling with them, and another is going to the restaurant and hearing to them talk a little bit about their lives. So um, just mentioned the podcast, this with Anne. It probably will be the last opportunity we'll have to talk to her. I hope she comes back to Portland and enjoys some time here. But she was a pleasure and um, pretty intense as well. Mm -hmm. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove. And at Zupans.com, eat well, put taste first, love your food. By Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com today. By Portland Food Adventures. Tempt yourself with an incredible Italian food vacation with Astri Enzyme and a wonderful October journey to Bologna and Emilia Romagna. It's all at PortlandFoodAdventures.com under the Trips tab. Contact right at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more information and special savings on these PFA food journeys. And by Gen Air Quality Appliances at Standard TV and Appliance. Standard TV and Appliance is your source for the best of Gen Air and associated brands, where you can check out the latest technology in appliances like Gen Air's remote access ranges with a host of other cool features for your upgrade or remodel. Gen Air and Standard, both staples in Oregon and Washington kitchens since 1947. Hello. Is that better? That's much better. Okay, good. I was going to offer you yeah. my. Yeah. I was going to offer you my connection. <laughs> so, that's that's the kind of people we are yeah. here at Right at the Fork. So, speaking of the podcast, and you're the re- well, you should have been here a long time ago. Oh, that's. Um, but our friend Janice Martin. Oh yeah. Just sent me a an emphatic suggestion that we have you on the show. And so she's my you, girl. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I just wanted to ask. So, just so everybody knows, we're talking about Janice Martin of formerly of Tanuki, now at East Gleason Pizza Lounge, Pizza Lounge, <clears throat> which I tried the other night, man, and it's fun yeah, watching her put her stuff on pizza. She's been there yet. So, oh, you haven't been? No. Good. So, I'm usually saying I haven't been to things, but I've been there. So, I got to claim that. And it was delicious. And her porchetta on pizza that she was posting on Facebook looked pretty good last night. I know. It looked really awesome. So Janice suggested you come on the podcast, and I'm thankful you did. 
I appreciate. Thank you. I appreciate this. I didn't. I don't really know you, so um, I took her word that you'd be a fun. Because sometimes we have guests that are just aren't as fun as others, or not. It's true. You have to. It's like pulling teeth. (laughs) Let's name names. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Let's. Uh, you know what? I like to know that my memory is bad enough that I probably can't think of. Uh, I can think of one. <laughs> but at any rate, um, but Janice, um, I wanted to ask you because Janice is. I, I can't say responsible, but Janice <laughs> has touched some real heavy hitters in Portland. You're doing some great things at Tapalaya. And of course, Maya, and I'm probably going to leave some Maya Lovelace at the future yonder, which yeah, is coming. Yeah, I know coming Maya. We're friends. That, yeah, no, no. <laughs> so I wanted to ask: w- w- Do you think that Janice is just excellent at recruiting seconds in command or people to work for her, or that she really had such an influence on you that helped you to be able to accomplish what you've accomplished? Yeah, I mean, I feel like when. When I worked at Tanuki, it was from 2012 to 2013. It was sort of, I hadn't become the executive chef at Tapalaya yet. It was my, my in the middle area. I, had, I left Tapalaya. I was the sous chef there for about two and a half years before working at Tanuki. And I really didn't have that much front of the house experience when I started there. And I, she really made me focus on that because I was cooking before going to work there. But I also was helping her prep all the seafood because of her seafood allergy and everything. So, I mean, I was there all day with her too. And it, she was a mentor figure to me, but more like after the fact, (laughs) you know, like, cause when you're working there, it's really intense. She's super professional. She is someone that you just need to put your head down and work with in order to understand, you know, and, I, I feel like I, I learned all the the really tough parts to get through from her. And I mean, we also had lots of fun together after hours. So like she's really good at like being like this is work time and then this is hanging right. out time, friend time, right. you know? Yeah. And that's how I've remained friends with her. I mean, it, it's it's hard to remain friends with somebody that you used to work for, especially if it's a difficult job that you have to do on a daily basis with them. And I just feel like after I left, it was, she sort of took on one of my mentor roles for me. So you could consult with her when you She's helped me a lot. Oh yeah. She, she's a really good person to talk to in general. So here's, here's the deal. And (laughs) I I don't think it's any surprise to Janice. You know, if anybody's following her on Facebook, they view Janice as a fairly caustic person. (laughs) And, but she's not, she's like the sweetest person. There's another person person out there in the food world that I feel the same way about Nick Zukin and they're ha- oh, Janice and Nick, too. <laughs> yeah, Janice and Nick and happen to be friends yeah. but every whenever they come up in conversation with somebody that doesn't know them they always say to me oh isn't that person this or that and I think you know until you know someone you can't judge them oh, based so on a true. social media uh, persona it's so, so true, especially in this industry. I mean, the restaurant food industry is so tough. It's the hardest. It's well, it's you, not it's not easy to be friendly and awesome all the time. Right, but Janice, <laughs> you know? Janice also, I think, is expressing herself. Oh yeah, that's where her expression goes on Facebook. And not to have a full conversation on on Janice, but I just oh, found no. it interesting when you know I I saw that you had come through Tanuki and yeah. Maya had, and those are you guys are. 
doing some great things. And so she had to have a, a really strong influence on you. I think that we're all pretty tough ladies and yeah. we know what we want and we know how to sort of go about it. So do you think she was able to identify that in you? Like, what was the interview so. process like to go into Tanuki? How did you end up working there? Um, well, I saw, I saw that she was looking for someone online, and then I, I just applied. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It was that simple. I had, I had eaten there one time while I was the sous chef at Tapalaya, and we met because she knew that I worked in the industry, and we didn't really talk or anything more after we met, and then I saw that she was looking for someone and I applied and we just had a conversation about what we both wanted at the time and what would be a good fit and what I could do and what I had experience with. And it was pretty simple. I mean, when, when you're working with Janice, you, you sort of put your head down and work. Like I said before, (laughs) (laughs) she's not an easy person to work for. And that's not in a, a negative way. It can be a negative way for a lot of people that have worked for her that have not lasted. I mean, I worked there for nearly a year and that's like five years anywhere else. <laughs> well, it's, and I, I'm going to guess, I don't know, I wasn't there, but it's not necessarily all her. It's, it was a difficult restaurant, oh, a yeah. difficult bar. It was difficult. The way it was set mm-hmm. up. So that, that made it difficult. So you landed here to go back. So you mentioned Tapalaya. Yeah. And you landed here as a result, you're family experience Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Well, my sister has been living here for a long time. She's 15 years older than me. So I'm the only first generation American in my family. Mm -hmm. And my sister and brother and my mom and dad came over in 79. And they actually settled in Ann Arbor, Michigan, because there was a Methodist church that had sponsored their family, our family. And then, so they lived there for a couple of years and then they found themselves in New Orleans because my uncle was a commercial fisherman in the Gulf and he would. And they came from exactly where? Um, Hanoi. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they like stole a boat <laughs> and then they got stopped in Hong Kong and they were in a refugee camp in Hong Kong for about six months. Mm. And then they finally got this opportunity to be sponsored by a Methodist church in Ann Arbor, Michigan. and Which is not a bad greeting. Yeah. To, greetings to America. No, Arbor, I mean, they were, they were totally set up. Like, I actually, like a few days ago, it was so interesting. Someone called the restaurant because they had read about me online and they asked to speak to me. And I was talking to this gentleman and he was like, you don't know me, but I think I know your family because we, I, I think I helped them get settled in America when they moved here from Vietnam. And it was a man named Jerry Parker and he's living in like Phoenix, Arizona or something. And he like randomly called the restaurant to talk to me. And it was a really incredible conversation because I was not expecting for him to say any of this. And he was like, yeah, I sold your dad the car that they moved to New Orleans in for like a hundred dollars. And I was like, whoa. And like his wife got on the phone and she was like, so emotional and remembering all these memories of my family. And this is like before I was even born. So, and what brought yeah. them to New Orleans from, from Michigan? So, and by the way, I yeah. just had this vision of them <laughs> at the big house, right? At the football game from, from you know, Hanoi. And, yeah. And uh, being all of a sudden becoming American football fans in the, in the hotbed. Yep. Of, they really were. My mother loved f- football. Oh, that's oh awesome. my gosh, she loved the Saints. <laughs> so can you? Oh, the Saints. Well, did yeah. they get into it in Michigan? Um, did, I don't know, cause I, you know, they never even took me back there to visit. I never even went there okay. with them. Yeah, 
Um, but I knew that my mom loved the Saints. She never missed a game, like on TV. And that's when they always sucked. Yelling. And that's when they sucked <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> I know they sucked most of the most of my childhood. <laughs> yeah, pretty much until yeah. what? Twenty ten. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say ten, and then as I always add five years to everything. Yeah. So, but ten, yeah, twenty ten. So good. When they got you, Reese. <laughs> right. So <laughs> yeah. So what I'm curious about, and if you were if you hadn't finished the thought, oh keep yeah. Going, but what I'm curious about is. Um, Tapalaya happens to be Cajun. Mm-hmm. You were from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Is that how New Orleans? Sorry, New Orleans. That's like pronouncing it Oregon. <laughs> I think it's Nolans. Nolans. Please don't ever say no? that again. No, oh. <laughs> my bad. Don't ever say what Nolans. Nolans. That's, okay. that's when you that's know just that, wrong. Like, that guy. That guy's never been there before. So leave it to court to not allow me to be the asshole. He goes a little further. Hey, that's, that's, what, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> no, so I'm just curious about Tapalaya. Did you land there because of you had familiarity with the cuisine when you got up here? Is yeah, that, totally. Or? I actually I moved. I had initially my first apartment here was on Twenty Second and Ash, so like right around the corner from that whole restaurant row on Twenty Eighth. So we, I was just walking by and I was like, oh, weird, a New Orleans restaurant. And then when I started looking for cooking jobs, I saw that there was an opening, and so I actually applied once and didn't get a call back and then I applied again a couple months later because there was another ad and then I got a call back and then I just I just got hired there as a part-time line cook at first mm-hmm. and uh, I was I went to the Western Culinary Institute when I first moved here um, so I was going to culinary school at the time just working a little bit because I didn't know how how the workload would be and then I ended up going full-time and then after I finished school I became the sous chef and then I left in 2012 to go work at Snooki for about a year. And then I went back to Tapalaya because the executive chef had left. And the, the former owner um, called me and was like, hey, can you help me at least <laughs> with like training and all the stuff? Because the other chef had left kind of abruptly. So, I mean, it's, it's always been Tapalaya's kind of, I started working there the first year that I moved here, so it's which, which was when two thousand nine. Okay, mm-hmm, the summer of '09. I started working there in November of '09, so they've been open for about a year, and I've been working there in some capacity ever since. Like even when I was working at Tanuki and they would need some help, I'd fill in some shifts and stuff. So I, I have a really good relationship with the former owner now. She's one of my best friends, and so we, I feel like we really grew that restaurant together, me and Chantal. And, um, yeah, she's still, she's still there whenever I'm like, Hey, uh, this random light bulb I've never changed is going out now. What do I do? It won't come off, you know? <laughs> Those are pretty good problems to have yeah. and to, to need consultation. On. Yeah. Like random things about the space. I, I'm really grateful to have a relationship with her still. And she can kind of be like, Oh, this is, this is how this works. It's something that like you never have to deal with, you know? Owning, there's so many parts of owning a restaurant that you just don't know until until you get there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure some people could have told you ahead of time, but until you're actually in the woods. And the other part is life. Yeah. You know, is a series of things that hit you from the side that mm-hmm. you don't know. You're on a cane today, <laughs> coming in here. You didn't plan on that. If someone, you know, yeah. someone said, "Hey, listen, you're going to buy this restaurant a year from now. You're going to have a few months where you're going to have to limp around the kitchen." Yeah, you'd be you'd be asking, "Geez, can I do this?" You'd probably 
you know, you wouldn't back down, but it would be a different oh, thought man. process. If I had a genie that could have told me everything that was going to happen in the past two years since I've owned this place, I'm, I may not have bought the That's restaurant. That, that was my point. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but you're glad you did. Yeah. I mean, I, there's really nothing like working for yourself. I mean, you can't really trade that for anything. Being your own boss is really fulfilling, you know, being able to decide when you want to do things or decide what you want to cook or how you want to do it or change it if you want to is kind of priceless. I'd rather get make little money and be able to make my own decisions whenever I want to all the time than make lots of money and be like someone's slave, you know? So <laughs> so I'm always curious because I never, we don't really talk money because right. I don't think it's our everybody's business. Well, it's not it's, my business. Every restaurant's different. Is right. Thing. But yeah. I'm always curious because, you know, when I came to Portland, it, when I was in Connecticut and the East coast, the people who own restaurants were driving really nice cars and, yeah. and able to show up at their restaurants in those nice cars and not get blowback from their employees here. It's different. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to uh, put on at least a modest lifestyle for their employees. So yeah. I guess my general question is you just painted the 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 pros and cons to yeah. working for someone, owning it yourself. Yeah. Uh, is it just all were you, so were, I guess the question is were you making a ton before and sacrificed money to own it for freedom, which isn't a lot of freedom by the way, no. cuz you're still there. No. <laughs> so the restaurant owns me. <laughs> right. But is it is it a good I guess the real question is I always want to ask is this a really good enterprise? Are you happy with it and do you see it supporting you for a long time and growing? Well, uh I'm going to be honest with you, uh it really changes month to month, you mm-hmm. know, like I mean, for restaurants, you you rely on your daily sales like so much. Restaurants live paycheck to paycheck, especially if it's, you know, slow, something that you can't really control. If it's slow, it's that's the end of it, you know, like. But I I guess that goes to the point that there are probably some operators Mm -hmm. that can hedge against that. So that February of 2017 or was it? Yeah. 2017, that January, February of 2017, that knocked out mm-hmm. Chessa and uh, I'm, that was hard right that was hard but I'm sure there are obviously restaurants that withstood that and were, didn't that one or two months hurt but it didn't put them out of business right so, but sometimes you have to sort of keep trucking and sacrifice a lot more than you're willing to to survive and sometimes it's worth it sometimes it's not it's all a gamble it's a really volatile industry um I would be lying if I said that there weren't days where I felt just like really overwhelmed and kind of like, fuck, why did, why did I choose this life? <laughs> but there are lots of days that I'm fulfilled by talking to my customers who have been regular, regular customers for years now. And mm-hmm. we have a, we actually have a really large regular customer customer base. So I'm really grateful for that because where, where this this restaurant that kind of floats between casual and kind of nicer, but not totally, it's not counter service, you know? So, I mean, we're full service, but we also, you know, serve things that nobody else serves. And it's, I like to have it be a home away from home for all the people from New Orleans and Louisiana, because I feel like this restaurant has given me the chance to really get that community together and, 
especially during this tough Saints season. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's a Saints quote-unquote bar? Or, <laughs> yeah, or, so I just got a TV spot? this year to show the Saints games, and we've had a you know, a little family come every every Sunday and the same people and we all get to know each other, but we've never met before, but we all have that common Louisiana thread, which is really, I mean, anybody from Louisiana knows it's it's just different when you grow up there. And when you meet people outside from Louisiana, you automatically have this connection and you feel kindred with each other, you know? Well, I think that's yeah. probably the case with most. Yeah, but it's... Most it's, locales, but, but, yeah. but New Orleans different and correct me if i say it wrong no you said it right <laughs> good so new orleans um has katrina as mm-hmm. a common bond you know there was 9-11 for the country in new york i don't know if people focus on that very much but well, these days it was, yeah. it was 17 years ago yeah um or 18 years ago um but is that generally something that's discussed a lot amongst i mean katrina was what like 14 years ago now yeah it was right before i moved here i sort of you know so yeah so i mean i feel like a lot of people may i mean not huge conversations about katrina i don't i don't think about katrina every day you know people have their katrina stories of course everyone has their katrina stories and you bond about that right that's what i meant um yeah, I've I've sh- we've shared our Katrina stories, and a lot of people from Portland or that live in Portland from Louisiana that I've met are from like Lafayette or like just all parts of Louisiana, really. So all the New Orleans people kind of either I haven't met a lot of people who relocated, but I've met a lot of people who like relocated somewhere else and then came here or mm-hmm. moved here right before the hurricane. Like Reggie Houston, who plays a saxophone at the restaurant every Tuesday, Mm -hmm. he actually moved here in like 2004, 2005. So he moved here right before Katrina happened. Um, But he's, he's my New Orleans buddy. He's like, he's played at the restaurant for a long time now, but he's like my grandpa or something. I love him. (laughs) Oh, cool. Well, there's a good reason to Stopped in. I believe I stopped in. I was in Topoli years ago. When, you must when have seen opened. Reggie play or something. I don't know. I don't we used know. to have a lot of live music. We only have live music on Tuesdays and like Saturday brunch and Sunday brunch now. But yeah, Reggie is one of my favorite New Orleans characters that I know here. <laughs> so do you feel like a, uh, are you a, a real Oregonian now? Or do you ever feel like you want to, uh, mm. that, that Louisiana's in your, in your heart and you want to go back? That's, Well, I've always, it's always been in the back of my mind ever since I moved here. Mm -hmm. Like on the first day that I got here, I was like, "Uh, maybe I'll go back. (laughs) But, you know, I I know that there's, there's certain aspects of quality of life here that are infinitely better than in New Orleans. Also vice versa, you know, so it's just like, I feel a lot safer here. There's not a lot of crime. We actually like recycle and care about the environment. And there's people that have more kind of like a, a liberal progressive like mind here in the uh, New Orleans is smack dab in the South, you know, so mm-hmm. New Orleans is an, an island in and of itself down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I miss the colorful people and I miss the music and I miss the art and I miss the, the food culture and just the New Orleans culture. But life in New Orleans is, is hard. It's a hard life. And it's hot as hell. It's hot a- AF. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, there's potholes everywhere. There's crime. It's riddled with crime. You go walk down the street and get mugged any day. Like you don't really? feel safe there. Yeah, I guess no. I hear it. So when it's interesting because when you said there's a lot less crime here, in the past two years I have not 
heard people attach that thought to Portland. Really? Well, because, you know... Well, I, I guess I'm from, like, New Orleans, which is right. one of the murder capitals of the world Yeah, so mur- well, murder is one thing. I'm <laughs> yeah. just seeing... You're just seeing a lot of yeah. vandalism mm-hmm. and, and breaking and entering and that sort of thing here. But I don't me, feel unsafe walking down the street at 11 p.m., no, like, on a side you're street right. here. You're you right. Know? Yeah. But I, but I, f- I think about when I park my car, mm-hmm. those kind of things. So, um... But yeah, so New Orleans is a whole different. Did you experience anything down there, like firsthand, well, or I mean, or have, you know, you get your car broken into all the time. <laughs> like, down there, I probably got my car broken into like five or six times while living down there. And I was only driving from sixteen to twenty-one there. I moved here when I was like twenty-one. Did you have a nice car? Or are they breaking into anything? I mean, I had a nice car. Okay. I had like a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and like you know, also just kids going around breaking windows for fun not even taking anything you know it's just like there's a lot of annoying things that happen down there um also like there's there's sales tax there which is really high right now and that's kind of it makes a difference if you work in the restaurant industry down there and but the the difference is people the tip culture in new orleans is much different because the servers get paid 213 and not minimum so you get higher tips in the service industry down there. And so you feel like you, the service, the caliber of service needs to be more on point and all that stuff. And I feel like there's, there's a little bit of a lack of really good service at every single place you go to here. Pausing here a moment, Chris, to talk about Ringside Steakhouse, which if you recall, we mentioned this the last couple of weeks here on the podcast, has now shut down briefly for briefly. some renovation. Don't cut off no. the podcast before you hear the word briefly. Briefly. It'll open back up in mid-August after some renovations to the bar. I think it's early August. Early August <laughs> after some renovations to the bar, <laughs> as well as kind of reconfiguring some of the areas. So I think you can have some private parties there a little easier. Yeah. And so the bar is going to be redone. You yeah. know, Jimmy's been there for years. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the folks, uh, Andy, they'll be operating from upgraded quarters soon um and i want to mention the um if you stay tuned uh i believe not a hundred percent i can't i'm not going to divulge this but but ringside is going to have some new happy hour stuff going on and we know they have that great happy hour they already have one of the best ones in town right but they're gonna they're gonna revamp that as well i believe don't hold me to it don't hold me to anything right (laughs) <laughs> Other than the experience you have at ringside is second to none. It's right. Like you the, can hold us to that. You can, you know, it's guaranteed. Right. Uh, the best service in town, the best steaks, the best seafood. It's, it's perfect. Right. It's really a nice place to go. And, you know, in a city with all sorts of new things going on, it's really nice to have a classic like ringside oh, yeah. that you can always rely upon. And we're, and we're talking about so many different things like prime rib on Mondays, prime Mondays. Right. And also... The thing, I've never been a filet person, but that grass-fed filet Mm -hmm. that they have at ringside is fantastic. And of course, the world-famous onion Onion rings. rings. Never forget those. Yep, onion rings. Uh, Setting up reservations is super easy. You can just go to ringsidesteakhouse.com. I often use the Open Table app. I think that's where, when you go to ringside, I think that goes to there. And the other cool thing about ringside is once you become, you make a few reservations, they get to know you. They They know where you want to sit. Yep. They know maybe what drink you would like. That's a nice thing to have happen. So don't forget, once they are back open in early August, you can set up those reservations. Ringsidesteakhouse.com. 
Let's take another moment here and talk about our great sponsors, Gen Air at Standard TV and Appliance. Yeah, it's awesome. They were with us a couple of years ago, but appropriate now, both in their... Uh, both started in 1947, and just last year, Gen Air launched a beautiful series of new appliances. They really upgraded everything. They have two lines, Rise and Noir, for you to check out at Standard TV and Appliance. Tell us a little bit about them, Court. Well, both of these lines connect to Wi-Fi so that you can use them using your Amazon Alexa, or maybe you've got a Google-assisted-enabled device like a Google Home Connect and control appliances remotely. Like if you want to set the uh, oven before you get home, you can do that. Get real-time notifications. You can contact Gen Air call center through them. And get this, get a recipe from Yumly through the device. More than one. You yeah. can do a few of them. And not only that, you can attach your dishwasher to Amazon and get get lo- dishwasher detergent delivered w- without even thinking about it. Nothing is worse than running out of dishwasher detergent and not, not realizing it but your dishwasher or your washing machine are going to know this. Absolutely. So both the Noir and Rise line feature irresistible interiors illuminated by cinematic and chef's lighting, which is really cool. you got to see these. Smooth racks and flat tines and expanse of dark glass. Really easy way for you to check out these lines. You can Google search Gen Air Rise or Gen Air Noir. That's one way to check these out, but there's an even better way to do it. It's go down to Standard TV and Appliance. They have four locations, mm-hmm. one in Beaverton, Two in Portland. The showrooms are beautiful, and you'll be able to see them uh, not only in the showrooms, but on the on the showroom floor, and uh, also one in Bend for our millions of listeners out that way. Mm-hmm. So this weekend, I just I don't know if I if you want to go. I'll let you decide. Do you want to go down <laughs> the tipping thing? Because I'd just like to discuss it for five minutes because I have sure. some thoughts on it. Um, And there are so many different aspects to it. And the laws have changed here, too. So Mm -hmm. things have changed and will change. But you're talking. the the only reason I'm bringing it up is because you were talking about the levels of service here are down a little, uh, Mm -hmm. down compared to New Orleans. And so I posted, so I went to some place last week that was counter service. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that... Now you're leaving a tip before you get service, right? right. So they oh, the turn iPad. it around. Yeah. They turn around, and and I'm always like, and I know how people in the restaurant industry feel, but I feel that twenty percent to have the person hand me a thing and then run the food out to me, it belittles what the person who's actually serving me at another restaurant is doing, and it mm-hmm. also says the restaurant owner here has put that burden on me to Mm. pay their people for doing less work. So, um, well, I think it's more like pay less people than, you know, because when you go counter service, you you don't need as many, you know, hands. Right, but they've got that benefit to not pay. So now I'm paying the same amount as a consumer Mm -hmm. and, and for 20% for a lot less service. I mean, I'm walking up and getting my own utensils, my water, my napkins, and excuse me, you forgot my beers, walking up to say that. And so I had a friend of mine chime in and say, no, it should all be 20% right across the board. And I'm feeling like, well, well, but does that play into what you just said, where they're getting, these people are taking for granted the service industry because they just assume everybody's going to write 20% on the tip line when they turn around the iPad. Well, I think that if you've never worked in the service industry in another place in Portland, then you're definitely more naive as to how things should be going. Right. Um, um, I feel like... You should be, you should be able to choose what you tip a counter service person, and the way that it's built into the POS is 
more suggestive than not. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's business. Everyone is sort of just trying to be a money machine or a food machine and just make all the money, you know? Right. So I, I don't know. I, when I go out to tip, because I'm a restaurant owner, I always, even if I get bad service, I always tip 20% just for the principle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most people in the industry do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I don't feel as bad for people who are, you know, are the 15% tippers here in Portland because minimum wage is $12 an hour. And that's pretty hefty wage. You know, I never like made that ever at any even like non-minimum wage restaurant job that I ever had in New Orleans. You know, like right. I remember getting paid $9 an hour or something at the po'boy shop I was working at before before moving to Portland. And that's like. That was high. I think minimum wage was like six bucks an hour or something. Um, I feel like I wish we didn't have the tipping culture. That's what I want. But it is not going to be possible to go backwards at this point. I've heard that everybody's tried it and then people don't get it. It, But for me, it's the the bagel and the coffee. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, just mm-hmm. work that into the price. Make I know, the, but make then the most $3 people, coffee three three fifty and or three sixty three sixty. Who dine out don't have experience with restaurants or working in restaurants, and that's who you're trying to make your money off of, really. And they are and will complain about those prices. And yeah. and once you've got a couple people starting to complain online and all that stuff, and I hate looking at those reviews because. Like Yelp is just so dumb, right? Everybody in the restaurant industry is like, fuck Yelp. But I I still would like to read them, even if they're negative and I disagree with them. Like it, it all adds you to the know pile. Think. You know? Yeah. So yeah, so there's the consumer in there. So <laughs> I, and we'll go on to something else yeah. in a second. But my friend, I'm not gonna mention his name because I want to drag sure. him into this now because <laughs> we did it on Facebook. But he's like, I don't he wanted I don't know if you've all worked in the restaurant industry and experienced what it's like to get to work and what it's like to make this. But yeah, but there's the other, it's a, it's a market-driven situation. Mm-hmm. So there's the other side of it. You're a consumer, maybe you know you haven't experienced that, but you're now experiencing, gee, I'm supposed to leave the same tip for someone who just hands me something. Yeah. Um, so I just think the market's going to fix it or correct it. Like, much like the record industry had to change and uh, concert industry changed and uh, the dial, the, the internet connection industry changed. Yeah, I mean, I feel like as, a, as an owner of a business that has more than like 25 seats, like we have 65 seats at Tapalaya and it's you know, hard to fill those seats sometimes because of how many restaurants are purely just in the area, you know, like it's crazy it's how crazy many restaurants. How many, it's crazy how many choices you have exactly. here. Exactly. And that dictate, the market dictates that too. Yeah. And like, you know, the cost of, of running a restaurant is, is not going down and the amount of money you have to pay your employees is not going down. I mean, my biggest, my best, biggest expense is labor. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Labor kills me because I also have to pay taxes to have those employees to the IRS every other week. And so, like, I, if I didn't get taxed just to have employees, I, th- I I would be in a much, much, much better financial place than I am now with the restaurant. I mean, we're doing fine. We're staying open. But, you know, the volume of people that have been coming through on a weekly basis has definitely gone down. And, like, it's 
it's raise your prices or die, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, well, we've had to reformat a little bit. I mean, we've been open for 10 years now. I've, I've, my two year anniversary of owning the restaurant will be on St. Patrick's Day it, next month. Very nice. What a good day to, yeah. to take it over. At least I get to drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's been a real tough journey with a lot of educational things like in hindsight I wish I would have like taken a finance class or something before I bought the restaurant I maybe would have bought a house before I bought a restaurant (laughs) um there's so like I maybe would have reached out to someone to talk about cash flow management or something you know there's just so many moving parts to a restaurant that you're like, oh, now I have to do this. Oh, it's, now I have to do that. And you just Great. mentioned just the <laughs> fiscal act of paying those taxes, but there's also the physical act of, I got to do that every other, you have to find mm-hmm. a way, you have to either do it or pay somebody to do that every yep. other week. Yep. And those are all tasks that have nothing to do with delicious food. Yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> like so many people that are involved in making the everyday happen at the restaurant, you know, especially like, I don't know, all the workers. I have like 15 or 16 employees and that's a lot of people to manage. And somehow we're all on the same page. I feel good about them. We all trust each other. You really, I mean, I'm there seven days a week talking to everyone. On a cane with a brace. With a torn ACL. Is that, does that Muller have anything to do with the investigation? Or oh, is that no. the actual name of the... It's the brand of the, the brace. The brand of the brace. <laughs> I was like, can I take this off? Well, yeah, I, know. I don't know where you are politically, but I think, you know. I know. You, if you're going to wear a brace right now. Um, so... Uh, why did Chant- it was Chantel? Mm-hmm. Why did she sell it? Why did she? Sell um, it? Well, she had a baby, and it was her first child, and she was thirty eight, thirty nine, and I think she would owned it for eight years, and she, you know, that's a long time to own a restaurant, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I understand. I think she just wanted to have more time with her kid, and that's totally understandable because owning a restaurant means like you don't really have that much personal time. And I can't imagine, I praise all of the restaurant owners in town that have like kids and a family and everything. Like I, I don't, and I cannot imagine like having that on my plate as well as trying to open your first restaurant. Uh, Yeah. It's, Uh. it's one of the things that impressed me the most actually right Next door to Tapalaya, I used to go to Navarre a lot. Oh yeah, and, love Navarre. And, well, I don't know if it had anything to do with kids, but just, uh, but I, but it was my first time in Portland, really getting in, into conversations with John mm-hmm. and some of the folks who work there, and yeah. I was just impressed at how hard they worked. And then I went from there, and now you see people with families. I don't know how. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how either. I really don't. It's, I mean, because a, a family is enough to juggle as it is without another family that's harder. I mean, the the family at the restaurant is the one that you spend your your time with, all your time with. And it it would be hard for me to have like my real family and my restaurant family and not just have my my baby with me like all the time. (laughs) If I had a baby right now, it would be on my back. Me working at the restaurant, you know, (laughs) I saw for the first time there was a restaurant out at the coast where the server Served with the baby yeah. on her back. I'd never seen that before. I, I feel was... like I I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, <laughs> no, I love it. It was kind of charming, actually. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you talk about tips. It's incentive to <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> right. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was a fake baby. Yeah, okay. it wasn't even hers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you've had you've had a rough year. You wrote me uh, mm, a mm-hmm. nice email when I said you know tried to prompt a few things that we could talk about. And you sent me a nice list of positives, like having your... More positives than negatives. Your, right, having your <laughs> dish on the cover of Portland Monthly. That yeah, had to that be, was cool. Did you know that was coming? I did. Um, well, we weren't positive yet because they were like, it could be you or it could be the other people Well, they we want to maintain... <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because they want to. They don't want to disappoint you. Yeah. Last minute, there's a some reason to have an editorial change. Yeah, so when we when we got it in the mail it was like, "Oh my god, it's our dish." And it was it was really cool cuz I I mean, having something in print, having your face and your name in print is such a big deal these days cuz everything is just online cuz it's convenient, you know. Mm-hmm. But like having something on a piece of paper that like you can frame or like show someone is kind of novel, but it's also well, I feel like it's really it's an accomplishment. I feel proud of it. There's no good restaurant that doesn't have some Right. Some uh, media on somewhere on their wall, mm-hmm. probably on the way to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Usually, <laughs> exactly, that's uh, the place. <laughs> um, but did you see an immediate change? Did you see a pop in business from having the cover of Portland Monthly? Yeah, we did, and we—I mean, last March was also Portland Dining Month, so it was like a combo of having our dish on the cover of the Portland Monthly and then Portland Dining Month. It was our first year, and people really, really received it well. Um, it, we're going to do it again this year and I'm excited for it. Um, but March was a really good month for us last year. And the, the dish that was on the cover just like was ordered so, so much (laughs) and we still have it on the menu. So it's still a favorite. Um, but yeah, I feel like... What was the dish? It was the crawfish etouffee nachos on wonton chips. Very nice. (laughs) Um, press like that does help, but I, I can tell you press doesn't help all the time for sure. I mean, like, I, I, I've had my fair share of press. I've been on the local news a lot for, like, random things. Is that, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not so sure that the local news is really the food audience. No, I'm, it's not. But a lot of people to, have come to, in and said they've seen me on the news. Well, yeah, yeah. that too. And I, I've been on the news to f- talking about my trips. And yeah. I've had people come on my trip. My girlfriend uh-huh. saw me on TV. Nice. So that was, <laughs> I can never say it does... But um, but I also my experience over the years because I've seen it quite a bit is that's I think maybe a different suburban audience. And mm-hmm. They have w- viewers in Portland, but I don't know if they're the same people who dine. But out you do a lot. want those people that live in the suburbs to come in and come to your restaurant, and you know, like. But they're not as prone. So yeah. restaurant owners have this, I think, provincial mindset that only, and it's obvious because they keep opening in Portland. It's just now that we're seeing the salt and straws and the and the bamboos going out to Lake Oswego and mm. opening elsewhere. So they ha- restaurants haven't really paid attention to marketing in the suburbs. Yeah, too much. I think it would be a money maker for sure. Like if 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 I could afford to have another tapalaya like in the suburbs, I think that would probably be a good choice because there's less stuff like that out there. You know? I've always said, and I don't know if it's true, but I live in Southwest, not, mm-hmm. not downtown Southwest. Like For- Portland Southwest. Yeah. Portland Southwest. Yeah. You know? Um, and I've always said if some, so no one's paying attention to it. Now, Andy Ricker just went out there with Pac Pac. Oh, where? I wonder how he's doing at the old humdinger. Oh, right uh, yeah. That hamburger the- place. Right? Yeah. It's no longer a hamburger oh. place. It's now wings. Nice. It's so- just a wing shack. Like a, uh, you can there's some small. other dishes there. Okay. But yeah, it's his new it's kind of his model that he wants to 
Uh, he was on the podcast, so we talked about it. And cool. it's, the mo- it's the model that isn't going to be opening a big restaurant in New York or L.A. This is what he thinks will open. It's what yeah, I think it's what he opened in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. too, or licensed uh, in Las Vegas. I mean, Vegas. as little overhead as you can have is probably the best idea for opening a restaurant like these days. You know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, Tapalaya mm-hmm. Light. Tapalaya too, yeah. yeah Tapalaya too. <laughs> but anyway, I just I'm always curious about the uh, media and how it works in the TV world because in Portland, you get there are a lot of chefs that are on Stephanie and Molly's show on Channel 12, and we love them. Yeah, and, I've been on their show. And they've shows. been on this show, <laughs> and they're coming on this show, um, and um, they're featured. Yet you never see anybody buy advertising. No, no mm-hmm. restaurant ever buys. It's all about getting the free stuff. Yeah, and they're lucky that the news stations, you know, that we're a food town, so they love to feature it. It's something right. that will make people tune in. Right. So they're using you. You're using them, and it all works out pretty well. Right. And, there's n- and no money exchanges hands. I know, and because of social media too, like Twitter, Facebook, all sort of makes advertising much much cheaper and easier for restaurant owners and small business owners. And I mean, I feel like Facebook is one of our main sources of getting like our special events out there. People are like, oh, I just saw this random thing on Facebook. I'm just going to go. Paid Facebook or just Facebook? Just regular Facebook. I've only paid for something maybe like once. So you're, <laughs> so Tapalaya, a business page, uh-huh. you don't have to boost it? To get I mean, enough, I, I get no one to see my stuff if I don't pay for it. It's probably Facebook's model because I had well, to pay like, for it. Well, I feel like whenever I, I create events and stuff, they get circulated on the events page pretty well, and I don't mm-hmm. have to like boost my event or anything. Um, yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's it is really cool. But I, I, I mean, it just depends on when people, like when you post is really important because like the volume of people looking at Facebook at the time or something mm-hmm. matters. I don't know. And how you tag it matters. Or how you hashtag it, or whatever. I don't know. I'm a little bit. I'm. I know about it, but I'm not like the best. Well, I, feel, I think that's what every how everybody feels <laughs> right? about it. And there's a there's a uh, email in my box. Someone from fa- Facebook said, "Call me. We can do better." But that's because I just did some stuff for the auto show and spent tons oh. of money with them. So they think, "Oh, now that you're spending, uh, you know, thousands of dollars." Right. Um, anyway, that's beside the point. So. Um, where were we? You tell me. Oh, well, we went down the rabbit hole of tipping. Oh, right. We went, we went then, down tipping and then we were talking about run, running the, before that, we were talking about running the restaurant yeah. and what it takes. Oh, I know where we were because I mentioned the Portland Monthly um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. cover and um, you've had a, you told me you've had a really challenging, at least year. It's yeah, been really tough. I've had a really tough year with just, you know, personal things that have happened and then business is always like you always have to worry about the business i worry about the business every second that i'm awake do you lose sleep over it so Um, you you worry about it when you're awake what about when you're trying to sleep um yeah i totally can't sleep at night (laughs) i like i just i'm a light sleeper too so any little like noise that happens in the middle of the night will like wake me up and then i've got this i've got this torn acl that isn't the most comfortable yeah i have to elevate it and then if i like roll over the wrong way i like get woken up by the pain oh. yeah when's that going away i don't know but i'm going to the doctor tomorrow finally took you a while <laughs> took me a while Healthcare system is not easy on restaurants especially yeah. it's hard for you to get even the, there wasn't an appointment right. in the near future there but was you, no available appointment. it's hard for you to, <laughs> it's harder 
It would be much easier to schedule something that week than, okay, I'll be good in April on the third week. Right. So, and, and in the meantime, you've had to endure that. How do you do that that many hours a day on that painful knee? I don't know. I'm a beast. I really, I shock myself sometimes. I'm like, at the end of the day, like, how did I just stand up all day long with a broken, like, leg? <laughs> and, like, what happens is I end up putting all my weight on my right foot and then my little pinky toe, like, dies and is like so sore at the end of the day but then I like I don't know I rub my friend made me this really awesome like cannabis salve and it actually really really works I was shocked I was like ah oh, whatever this is just gonna make the the pain go away temporarily but it like my toe isn't sore at all the, the next day anymore so really? I got that that helps me keep what's going the ratio of THC to CBD in that salve I have no know? idea I think he makes it with like fresh buds or something so it's it's not like the crumbly stuff at the bottom of the bag. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's what I've been told that is you just don't know what you're getting. I know. Well, he's my friend and he does it for a living, so he right. Like, and yeah. so he's doing it just to help you. That's good. Yeah, he's, do, he's not trying to sell you. No, he just uh, gave it to me. It was great. <laughs> yeah, that, so it, it does work. That's it. Totally works. Um, I don't know. I also i ch- i pick and choose the projects that I work on at the restaurant. Um, if I'm not in the kitchen, I'm in the office. Just working away at my desk because there's just always something to do there. My day is never done unless I'm like, all right, I've got to cut myself off. Because like literally I could just do endless work. What time do you cut yourself off? Um, It depends on the day of the week, like Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Since I have to be there like seven days a week, I try to keep three days a week lighter. So like just daytime hours and then I'll leave by like I don't know, four or five, but it's like a normal work day for everyone else. <laughs> My short days are a normal work day for everyone else. Yeah, well, and that's what I find. <laughs> yeah. Anybody on their days off, their day off is just that. The- My day off is probably spending at least three or four hours at the restaurant. That's a short, that's like as little time as I can spend there and like achieve a thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Do you get to take vacation at all? Um, I try not to take a lot of vacation, but I did plan myself a vacation for April f- to go back to New Orleans for Jazz Fest because I haven't been in 10 years. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. And how long is that vacation going uh, to be? Five days. Yeah. And are you able, will you be able to put your phone down? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I just need to be available to give the answers of, to questions that they might not have, you know. Forward it all to Chantal and uh, Janice. <laughs> Yeah, call them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on vacation. What are you doing here? No, I've got I've got a kitchen manager and I've got a rest of like front of the house manager that can do things for me while I'm gone and I just have to prepare a little bit more, but I feel I feel good about the restaurant when I'm not there. I think my staff really looks out for me and kind of like I'm pretty transparent as as a boss <laughs> cuz I I used to be them, you know. I was right. I was there working in the kitchen doing that same job for what like 7 years before I bought the restaurant. So I think that they they can't not respect me. I'm there doing it with them. So it's it's it, it's it's good for them to know that I I'm putting in as much work as they are. So So do you think yeah. down the road as you progress, this is what I see. We've had, we've been doing this for, we're on a six year here. Oh, this podcast? Yeah. Wow. Did you know about it, by the way? I did know about it, but I didn't know that it was six years old. Well, it's not quite, it's, we've completed five, right? We're on our sixth. In our right? sixth year. In How many sixth? people yeah. have you interviewed for? Over 200. Wow. So we do a, we do a repeat primarily because um, we realize we have a lot more listeners now that didn't uh-huh. listen to the podcast in 2014 and 15. So 
we think those some of oh, those you're interviews like re-releasing are, those yeah, interviews. No, they're just mm-hmm. as relevant. We try to be evergreen. We don't talk a lot about events, and if we do, it's a big deal. But uh, yeah. we try to be evergreen. So when we have you, and we're starting to repeat guests, uh-huh. and it's nice because we can get updates and yeah. cover different topics. You'd be surprised. You can only cover so much in 45 minutes to an hour. We're almost done here. Oh, Ooh. wow. <laughs> yeah, so it, it goes fast. So it's it's actually nice to be able to revisit people. We have Doug, Dougie Adams oh, Dougie. coming on right after you. Oh, nice. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> I, we will. You'll probably pass him. Nice. You'll see him. And he's coming back again, but he we first talked to him yeah. when he was starting, when he the concept for Bullard cool. was out there two and a half years ago. I know. And, and now he's opened it, so we're glad to be able to catch up with him. That's awesome. Um, but uh, but that's what I found a lot is that as chefs get older, they mm-hmm. can spend a little more time away from the restaurant and mm-hmm. feel comfortable and then eventually really just check in once in a while. Yeah, I would like to have multiple restaurants if if that's in my future, but it's it's too young for me right now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm only on my second year with Topalaya and you know, who knows if it's going to be Topalaya for the whole time that I have the space. So, you know, I'm definitely thinking about cooking some completely different things in the future. I'm have, I'm having a pho pop-up tomorrow with, not tomorrow, Wednesday, with my sister. She's coming and helping oh, me cook the broth. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and she's, she's not a chef at all. She's like an ER pharmacist. So <laughs> she's... Well, she can maybe help you with, with that. that. Exactly. With I was knee. like, so you want to make a, pho, do you? Yeah, there, there was an ulterior motive there. <laughs> do you ever see, um, I'm, I don't think you mind sharing that you live out in West Lynn? Oh, do no, you, my sister does. I don't live out there. Oh, I thought you did. No. Let me read again. Hold on. Let's stop for a minute. My what? sister and my parents used to live out there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got and that And that's wrong. where um, I had a farm for the restaurant going for a, the first couple of years okay. out at my sister's place in Westland. Oh, see, because mm-hmm. you just answered a question because I was going to ask, A, do you ever see yourself maybe looking to open something out there? But B, that added to the actual stress of your day getting yeah. there. And <laughs> if, if that was the case, getting yeah. there and back. So No, it was a, it was hard to have the farm there. Um the farm kind of died out when I got super just overwhelmed with being a restaurant owner and then this happened. So I'm like, and it's gross outside right now. Who wants to farm right now? <laughs> but I did some farming last summer and it provided a lot of stuff for the restaurant and it was fulfilling. I wish I could have focused on that part more, but you know, it's too easy to just order from a produce company. Well, and there's know? some wonderful, yeah. lots of options around exactly. Portland. You don't, you don't have to Or rely like go on... to the farm and pick stuff up real quick. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no, in other cities, you wouldn't necessarily have that option. So Yeah, it was from... great. And I hope to revive it if I can um, this summer. But I don't know, with my knee, I'm not sure. Because yeah. I, I mean, I was mainly, me and my sister were mainly the ones doing the farm and it's really hard to have a farm. <laughs> what were we thinking? I'm like, yeah, no, I would I'm doing a whole days of restaurant work, and now I'm like hoeing the dirt like all night. Yeah, those and like, a lot of those jobs are the ones we're all talking about now yeah. that nobody nobody wants. Yeah. So, um, do you get to get out at all? Because we like to ask where you, what places I you do. like to frequent. Who's doing things that you're impressed by in Portland? Um, I mean, I try to go and try all the new places and stuff, but I mean, it just really depends on the time of year. Cause like right now is supposed to be our busy time of year because of Mardi Gras. Oh, that's right. Mardi Gras. And then there's Valentine's Day in a couple of weeks. And 
So all thank of the you random. for coming in. You're yeah. gonna be crazy busy right now. Yeah, but we're closed tonight for our holiday party. So I was like, oh, I can. We're closed today. I don't have to worry about the restaurant, like getting the restaurant ready to open. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do like to get out. Where did I go last that I really liked? Um, I went to Bar Casavale recently. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that place. Um, and they have the new place too. Oh, so they coming, do. Not coming to mind. It starts with an E. Anyway, once, once it's around a little bit and I see people posting from there, we'll know. But um, I really want to go try Janice's Pizza Kaya. Um, that's Do. next on my list. Do. Um, I don't know. I'm blanking. She also served us up some incredible cannoli, too. Oh, nice. She brought... She brought that. Did she? No, she brought the bacon. She brought the bra- bacon and cannoli. Cannoli. Oh, and nice. She served another cannoli when we went. Or she oh, she brought there. you some bacon? Oh, Ooh, yeah. I'm jealous. Oh, my God. She brought... <laughs> how big was that? A square foot? Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it was a foot, foot by six by six inches by a foot, six, six by twelve, like yeah. a half a, ba- a half a pork belly or sure. something. Yeah, yeah. So, and we're not nice. mentioning that as a hint to chefs to bring their best stuff. <laughs> All right, next time I get invited. Oh man, I'm still thinking about that bacon. Did you finish it already? I've got a little bit left that you I think I'm going to chop up and put in a soup. But we, I did like full on bacon with it. Yeah, mm. well, he's got a family. I'm just. <laughs> you know, a couple of us here and there. And oh, the no, when, when your 13-year-old says, Dad, this is the best bacon I've ever had, I mean, You're like, well, let's something. eat it every day. How are, how are you, are you able to slice it, like, I'm just, perfect I've, thinness? I, I've as, been really as impressed. Best I, I mean, it's thick cut, but it's... No, you got to have a slicer to get that, that no, thinness. No, 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 you don't. I, I, I'm going to... I never pat hand, myself Chris? on. I never pat myself <laughs> on the back for anything in the kitchen, but, uh, man, you're good I at have sliced thin? the best bacon. <laughs> Different, you know, let's try it this way, but, yeah, thin and... Thicker, you know, we I put like thick eggs. cut bacon a lot. Yeah, I like it yeah. too, but I've started to really like it crisp. Yeah. I never did before, but now I'm just like, I really like the... Anyway, how do you <laughs> like your bacon? I like it, well, I like it in the middle, in the middle of the road. Like sometimes I like it crisp, but I, I, I like it on the raw side too, like eat it like ham. It's really yeah, good. I, yeah, that's the way I've always eaten it, but I, ever since I discovered uh, cooking it in the oven. Yeah. Uh, on foil at... It's just, to me, changed my bacon world. We have this really thick-cut bacon at brunch at Top called Steak Bacon, mm-hmm. and it's made from Duroc pork, and it's literally, like, this thick. And so we, like, par-cook it in the oven, but I like to pop it in the deep fryer, and then it becomes, like, a crunchy mm. meat crouton. There's a cardiologist it's dream. so good. <laughs> so wh- yeah. uh, so la- we have a couple of minutes. Um, I think we can do a service to people by suggesting... When they, you're suggesting when they go to Tapalaya, what you would particularly suggest if you're, it's your first time and you really want to get a feel for that restaurant, what they should order. Oh, man. Um, definitely the crawfish etouffee nachos. That is my personal special etouffee recipe. It's sort of my favorite like Viet Cajun dish that I make because the etouffee is based on this uh, soup. My favorite Vietnamese soup is called Bunzio and it's a... Uh, it's the vermicelli noodles and like a crab custard and it's fried tofu and it's tomato based. It's spicy. It's got lemongrass. Um, have you interviewed Ben Bettinger from oh, yeah. Laurel? <laughs> I see that guy every time I go to on Sandy to eat that dish. I see him and we are eating the same thing and it's so funny. <laughs> anyway. Um, you probably see Maya there too, right? I've actually that, never run into Maya there. I've tried to go meet her there a couple times. but uh, something then, thereabouts. Yeah, some, something always happens, but I'm surprised I haven't run into her there because I usually go there by myself just for a quick lunch before like like in the middle of my day. Um, but my etouffee is based on that soup and so I 
the flavor of that soup is also kind of like the flavor of crawfish etouffee. So it's not like this terribly different tasting dish. So it tastes very familiar to both people who eat it. And um, that's a good dish. The crawfish and loo is also the most popular dish on the menu. It's grits with the Cajun cream sauce. I'm about to kind of mix it up a little bit and add a bunch of lemongrass and ginger and garlic to the sauce to make it more Viet Cajun. So I'm sort of moving my menu to be more on the Vietnamese side than the Cajun side. And that's going to happen slowly because I don't want to piss off any of, you know, the regular Tapalaya customers. But ultimately, I would like to cook more Vietnamese food in my future. So is that why yeah. before five or ten minutes ago you said maybe the restaurant would not be Tapalaya someday? Yeah. I mean, Tapalaya is ten years old now. It's our tenth year. And mm. I feel like 10 years is a good lifespan for a restaurant, but I mean, I don't have any plans to change it or anything. Oh no, but because like, I'm going to use for the headline the way Eater does now. This yeah. restaurant will be changing. <laughs> <laughs> have you um, noticed how they're all, uh, yeah. the Eater headlines are very teasy? Yeah, yeah. they are. Woof. I know. I have it. I... I just I, I, read. Did, I didn't mean to say woof. I just meant they're all teasy. It's like I have to read everything now. Exactly. You can't get it in the headline it's any longer. It's a teaser. Um, yeah, I mean, I just renewed my lease for the next five years, so who yeah. knows what will happen. But And you like being on that block. I love being on that block. You, 28th Street's awesome. Do you go to, uh, to um, next door? Yeah. To Navarre and yep. to... Uh, Help me. Angel Face. Angel Face. And I was going to say Club. Baby Doll. Cardinal Club's great, too. Oh, love I love Cardinal, Cardinal Club. Club. Mm-hmm. It's great. Anything else on that block? Uh, you, of course, we got Padi, uh-huh. which is great. I love Padi. Like, I definitely go eat there probably at least once a month or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I go to Cheese and Crack for Froze's. Mm-hmm. I go to Holman's to drink a lot. <laughs> um, I go to Guero. It's not It's not that far away. Love that. I was just at Stomptiche the other night after work grabbing a bite. That, too. You, that's yeah. a, that is an awesome block. Yeah, there's ran- Ranch Pizza at the Poison's Rainbow. Is- I just had that for the first oh, time Oh, man, last that week. stuff is good. Yeah, so is and it as good there as it is up on... Uh, I don't know. Deacon, I've, um, I've never been to that one. Okay. But, you know, I'm not a huge deep dish pizza fan, but like no, that's that, good. that shit's good. You can hold the, ra- you can hold the ranch sauce. Put yeah. that on the salad. Oh, I like the ranch sauce. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I tried it. I was like, no. But the pizza was awesome. Yeah, the, the sausage, awesome. the number four, I think it's called. Yeah, it's that's the one I get. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> the bread is good. It's like light French bread pizza. It's good. So I hope all your friends on 28th mm-hmm. are, are uh, uh, g- come and thank you for saying, oh, yeah. hey, thanks for giving us a shout out. The so. neighborhood's awesome. I wouldn't, this is, I'm trying to hold on to the space and it would be fun to have a, a different restaurant in that space because Tapalaya is great. I love it. It's, it's part of who I am now, but restaurants can't survive forever. I mean, like, I don't. I don't want to be working at Tapalaya when I'm like 50 or 60, right. you know? <laughs> well, also, a reboot doesn't hurt in, a, in exactly. Portland because the, everybody's looking for the next new thing. Yeah, and I, I want to like further my own career, not just by cooking the same thing all the time. Like, I, I'm comfortable with it, but I would like to cook things that I don't normally cook. I, I pride myself in being a chef that, you know, doesn't, isn't just limited to a certain cuisine, and well, you haven't been. You've been a hybrid yeah, for a while. I like I like making weird, random, fun stuff and random shit that doesn't go together. M- make it happen. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to coming over. It's been a, a long time, so we'll uh, 
Yeah, I'll say totally. Hello. You'll probably be there. I'll probably be there, but <laughs> hopefully I won't be. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that doesn't do it too. I hope that's not personal. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Just Thanks so much on a uh, on what was possibly going to be a snowy Monday. I know. Thank goodness. I not. was not looking forward to driving in the snow with all the other people of Portland. <laughs> yeah. So I had a little reversal. I live in Manzanita. They got two inches of snow. Oh, I yeah. didn't get to take the dogs out in it. So um, I'm glad to do this podcast. This is this is more than a consolation. This is a oh, pleasure. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 